0: You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. So this is the beginning, as as Max pointed out, uh, the beginning of Pride Month, and all this month here at Central, we're gonna be doing a Pride Month series in our discussions and my talks on Sunday. And uh, basically that means every Sunday over this month, we're gonna talk about the intersection of Christianity, faith and spirituality and LGBTQI issues. And I wanna begin today by sharing a story with you. A few weeks ago, I attended a Glendale Unified School District board meeting. And I posted on Facebook about it um, this week. So some of you might've seen seen that. Um, And I attended it to support the district's policies, protecting LGBTQI students from bullying and discrimination, particularly trans students. There is a history within GUSD of bullying and discrimination against LGBTQI students. So the school board implemented policies that the state of California actually mandated. So contrary to popular opinion, the school board didn't actually have a choice in implementing these these policies. However, there is a very outspoken and angry segment of the Glendale population that is very upset about these policies. And they have been attending the school board meetings down here when they meet twice a month and protesting, literally screaming and heckling from the galley uh, the entire meeting. Um, they're very upset about these policies. And what's going on in Glendale is really, a, really part of a much larger movement, if you wanna call it that, phenomena taking place across our country in various school board meetings, town council meetings, libraries, etc. Those protesting have a lot of the same talking points and views as those here in Glendale. And so I want to share this morning a little bit about what I learned and respond to that. And to be clear, I, I don't do this today as a way of hating on them. That's not the point here. Yes, anger, I think, is an appropriate emotional response, but so is compassion and and humility and understanding that it wasn't too long ago that a lot of us, myself included, might have shared some of their views. Uh, And So I only share this today so that we might learn about what's going on and how we might respond to it. The protesters at the Glendale Unified School District meeting, like the protesters at many public in many public venues across the country today, are predominantly Christians. Okay? Conservative political folks that are secular as well, but predominantly conservative Christians who believe their religious rights are being violated by having to call people by their pronouns. I am not kidding about that. That's really one of their chief concerns and points of anger. They take it as an affront to their religious convictions and their religious rights to have to refer to someone as a he or a she who they believe is not a he or a she. They see this as tantamount to saying I affirm you, or my God and my religion affirms your transgender identity or your non-binary identity. Many of these protesters also feel that the history of LGBTQ discrimination and the history of the fight for gay rights in this country should either be lightly touched upon, briefly touched upon in the public school system or just not spoken of at all. The, the idea of the school district recognizing or celebrating at all Pride Month, something that really gets them riled up. Yeah, it's okay to for the school district to recognize and celebrate Black History Month. They may even have a problem with that. I don't know, but the idea of the school district recognizing, Pride Month at all? Absolutely not. Nor do they think that their children should be taught that homophobia and transphobia is in any way akin to racism and sexism. The the, the idea that their students are taught that transphobia and homophobia are just as unethical as racism and sexism is really troubling to them. The the idea that their students are taught that homophobia and transphobia have just as much negative impact on society as sexism and racism is something they cannot accept accept or allow. They think all of that is woke leftist propaganda, woke leftist indoctrination of their children. Not only that, but they think it's really a kind of hate speech. Hate speech against them. Straight conservative Christians. Hate speech against straight conservative Christians who don't want to use people's pronouns. They believe all of this is a form of reverse bigotry, you might say. And hate against them. That's one of the, they they will chant. Stop the hate. Don't be confused when they say that. They don't they don't mean stop the hate against gay folk because they don't think they hate gay folk. Because in their hearts, you know, they would say, I love gay people. No, stop the hate against me, a a conservative Christian who doesn't want to call somebody a he or she who thinks they're he or she and is really not. One of the things I kept hearing chanted or, or called out from the galley when I was there was anytime anybody mentioned trans folks, folks would say. No such people. They don't exist. Yeah,
1: wow. Wow. And here's the real kicker for me in
0: all of this that I've learned. Most of these folks screaming at these meetings are professing Christians. I've mentioned that already. Which for me raises the question, where is Jesus of Nazareth in their reading of the gospel? Where, in other words, where is the Jesus of the poor and the powerless? Where is the Jesus who centered the voice of women and eunuchs and sex workers and those who were deemed by his society as sexually unclean and lesser than because of their gender and sexuality? Where, where is that Jesus? Where is this Jesus who cared most for and spent most of his time with Those who had been maligned and mistreated for their sexuality and for their gender, or their racial, religious, and class identity, that Jesus is entirely missing from their understanding of the gospel and Christianity. It's it's really astonishing. But then then I go back and forth with that feeling, because in a way it's not astonishing. Because I have to remember, I didn't grow up hearing about that Jesus on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or in Sunday school. I, I didn't grow up hearing about that Jesus. The only Jesus I grew up hearing about was the transcendent God glory revealed and, you know, G- the Jesus who died on the cross for my sins so I can go to heaven when I die. You know, the Jesus who's coming back in glory and power to smite his enemies and cast them asunder into hell along with all the demons and etc. That's the, that's the Jesus I was raised. The, the Jesus of the poor and the powerless and the broken and the downtrodden and, and the maligned and the mistreated. Jesus who centered the voices of women and, and, and the prostitutes or the sex workers and the Jesus who invested, who, who stood in solidarity with them. That Jesus I never heard about for all the obvious reasons.
1: <laughs> so I... It, you know, I, if I didn't deconstruct, if I didn't grow up, so to speak, spiritually speaking,
0: I would probably be one of those at the GUSD board meeting, screaming about how people like me are the real victims of hate today. And how we need to get back to traditional Christian family values and stop this woke nonsense get back to what made this country great, blah, 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 right? And to be clear, I I think the heart of their protest is not really about trans and gay rights. I don't think that's really what's going on. But it's about power, right? This is all really about a a power struggle between traditional and non-traditional social hierarchy. The traditional social hierarchies that put straight, heteronormative, conservative Christian men at the top of the social ladder and everybody else on the various rungs below. That social ladder, that social hierarchy is under real threat today. And they know it. And they are
1: afraid
0: that it could be upended or destroyed. This is what's really behind, I think, all of the anger and the anti-trans, anti-gay rhetoric and the demonstrations, all of that, that we're hearing today. I remember one man standing up at the board meeting, going to the mic and having his five minutes to speak, and he said that because the vast majority of GUSD families are conservative Christians from countries like Armenia, Latin America, and Asia. And he himself was a Latino gentleman. But because the majority of GUSD is conservative Christians from those parts of the world, therefore, he believes the schools should embody and value or reflect their values and their religion more than anybody else's. To him, this included teachers leading Christian prayers every day in the classroom. Now, obviously, there are constitutional issues that he's unaware of that would prevent that. But I thought this was a really interesting point he was making that, that got to the heart of the matter, the culture war being fought over gay and trans rights across our country today, the battle over book bands and drag shows and the like. All of this is is a smokescreen or it's it's superficial because it is fundamentally underneath that about power and the fear that traditional social hierarchies and power structures are being eroded and replaced by a new social order that gives equal standing to people from backgrounds, lifestyles, and value systems that are non-traditional non-conservative, and non-Christian. Or at least in the way that conservative Christians define Christianity. (laughs) And yet it strikes me that this is exactly what the gospel is largely about, a reversal of the social order. Jesus caught hell from the old guard. Did he not? He caught hell from the conservative religious authorities who were very upset that he was... Centering the voice and the concerns of the poor, and the Samaritans, and the women, and the eunuchs, and the sex workers, and the slaves, and the prisoners, and all those who were labeled transgressors and sinners, unclean and, and lowborn, for one reason or another. He centered, Jesus centered their voices, and, and their concerns, and thereby decentered the voices and the concerns of the, of the religious authorities, the wealthy, the powerful, the elites, the men, and those in positions of privilege. And Jesus caught
1: hell for that. And he was killed for it.
0: I mean, that's basically the story of Jesus. Therefore, as Christians, it seems to me, we should follow suit. Isn't that what being Jesus' disciple is about? I think so. I believe being Jesus' disciple means centering the voice and the concerns of the poor and the powerless, centering the voice and concerns of the excluded and the marginalized, centering the voice and concerns of those who have historically and traditionally dehumanized because of who they are.
1: That, to me, is Christian discipleship.
0: Okay, I want to switch gears now and talk about something related. I want to talk specifically about how our theology can Affirm transgender, non binary, and intersex people because I think they are often uniquely attacked today and targeted in this crazy culture war, particularly trans and non binary and intersex people. I think it is theologically sound to say that God transcends gender, God is neither male nor female. God is non-binary, we might say. God is neither a he or a she. Throughout scripture, God is spoken of in both male and female terms, as both mother and father. Even the personal name of God, Yahweh, found in the Old Testament, is a remarkable combination of both male and female grammar. The first part of Yahweh, Yah, is female. And the second part, way, is masculine. So even the name of God transcends the, transcends the gender binary, you might say, or is intersex. Now, that, that being said, obviously the text, uh, male language for God dominates the text, it dominates the scriptures, but that's only because the Bible developed in a patriarchal world. The idea that God is male, that God has male characteristics more so than female characteristics, this is ridiculous and an obvious anthropomorphic projection, meaning we human beings are notorious for projecting ourselves onto the blank canvas that is God. The big other is always a projection of ourselves and our desires, our fears, our, our wants, our needs, etc., As Voltaire once quipped, God made humanity in his image, and we have never stopped returning the favor, (laughs) right? So it's far more theologically accurate to say that God either has no pronouns or that God's pronouns are they, them. And if you want to take things even further, and you know how much I love to take things further when I can... (laughs) You could say that Jesus himself was possibly intersex. How do we know that? Because his DNA came entirely from a woman. Jesus had no earthly father, we're told. Therefore, he could not have gotten a Y chromosome from Mary. Now, okay, if you take the virgin birth as literal, you could simply say, well, God must have just created a Y chromosome inside of Mary, and that's how Jesus was made male. But even if you take the virgin birth literally, you still don't know Jesus's genetic makeup because we now know from this terrible thing called science that many intersex people today are born phenotypically male, meaning with male genitalia, but genotypically female, meaning they have have two X chromosomes, no Y. Yes, you can have have someone who presents as male with two X chromosomes. And this could have been the case with Jesus. But regardless, I think it makes an interesting theological point and plays into this idea that God is non-binary. God is intersex. God is trans. God has no pronouns. Or God's pronouns are they, them. There are millions of people in the United States today who are intersex in the way that I'm describing. And there's actually about a dozen different ways people can be born intersex. Estimates are approximately 1.7% of the population is intersex. That translates into millions of people living today in the United States alone. The fact is that gender is not the rigid binary that many people like to claim it is. Yes, most most people fit into the binary of male, female, but many people do not. Gender and sexuality have always been plastic because nature itself is plastic. Nature is chaotic and always doing things in novel and new and different ways. That's just what nature does. Gender and sexuality are no exception to that. And let's also remember that what it means to be masculine or feminine, in other words, what it means to behave like a man or behave like a woman is entirely a social construct generated by one's culture. And cultures have always defined masculinity and femininity differently. So again, the entire notion that gender and sexuality is a fixed and universal binary, it's just not true. And it's an idea that remains deeply hurtful and harmful to our trans, non-binary and intersex neighbors. Understanding these things has become increasingly important today as we are all engaged to one degree or another in the so-called culture war. We cannot afford to sit on the sidelines and not understand these things and educate ourselves about these matters. My, my hope is that the information I gave you today and the information and what we learn from each other in dialogue in a few minutes, my hope is that it's helpful to this end and maybe contains something you can share with others My hope also is that this is encouraging and life-giving and and liberating and something that forms us as disciples of Christ. And with that in mind, let us turn now to the Lord's Supper and consider how Jesus' body was transfigured, transformed into bread and wine, the idea of God being trans, God being transformed or or transitioned into flesh and blood and then transitioned into bread and wine and then transitioned into our flesh, our bodies, both male and female bodies and intersex bodies. (laughs) This is a powerful idea, this sacrament. If we cannot accept this idea of God transitioning into various forms and various bodies, then we cannot accept the meaning of the Lord's Supper or Jesus's words from John's Gospel. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I abide in them. The word of the Lord. Let us partake in the Lord's Supper now with this as our meditation. (laughs) Each episode of The Central Cast is followed by an interactive discussion. If you'd like to participate in recordings, or if you're interested in exploring progressive faith and theology for a postmodern context, check out centralavenuechurch.org. Here is this week's unedited discussion. Anybody want to talk about this today? <laughs> um, you who have joined us via Zoom, yep, uh, you're welcome to jump in as, as well. I see those hands, my dear brothers and sisters. I love getting to say that sometimes. All right, who was first, Mario, and then and then Randy?
1: Hello. Um. So I am
2: incredibly. Uh, excited that you actually said that God was intersex. I thought that was very interesting. Um, I'm part of a solo group. And as you know, I've done a solo show, but one of the um, people in my solo group um, who appears to be a female, but she goes by they, so they did a solo show called um, Angels Are Intersex. And it was beautiful. And I thought about it that when you spoke, but during the show, it reminded me that angels never do have a gender, and it. When you said what you said, it made me just realize that um, a lot of the teachings in the Bible and other religions, because they did bring up um, in their solo show about other religions and how they spoke of persons who were born um, with either both genders or you know at birth a uh, parent decided what gender they would be which actually happens a lot but um i don't think that a lot of people who are who are protesting against transgender and their rights even think about that aspect at all and most likely you might even know somebody who is intersex and not even know that they are but um that the sermon that you did give it would just it just opened my eyes to a lot of and I hope that other people realize this that the the idea of just male and female um, is so narrow (laughs) and we a lot of times don't go beyond that so hopefully um, people will think just a little bit more
1: than they normally do so thank you for the, the sermon. Uh, I just had
0: a question about when Jesus talked about eunuchs, and when he said there are some eunuchs made in the womb born that way, you know, kind of clarify what he was talking about there. Yeah. Um, well, I-, I can only give you my understanding of it, and with the always with the preface of this is my understanding, and I might be wrong. But yeah, Jesus in Matthew 19 you're talking about uh, says some some are made eunuchs. Some were born eunuchs. And my understanding of that is those who were made eunuchs are um, men who were castrated at a young age so that they might uh, be able to serve and work uh, specifically in royal palaces around women guarding harems or potentially even like the Ethiopian eunuch, which will, that's a story we'll touch on this month. Um, The Ethiopian eunuch found in the book of Acts was the treasurer for the Candace, which was the queen of Ethiopia. And in order for him to serve her, he had to be a eunuch. It, because back then, the thinking was, well, if we're going to have someone born male working for a woman, we want him, you know, at this level, we want him to, no hanky-panky possible. You get the point? Okay. Um, so some were made eunuchs, Jesus would say. Right? Those were the, I think, castrated men. But some were born that way, he said, which alludes to this idea that some are born with ambiguous genitalia or i don't know maybe he meant some were born um what we would call gay with more feminine traits i don't know but there's this idea there's this double idea some are born eunuchs some are made eunuchs and the whole point uh, jesus i think was getting to was that the kingdom of god is welcoming to eunuchs you know that was the other point jesus made about Unix. But anyway, yeah, that's the best way I understand. Does anybody else have a different understanding of Matthew 19 there? Which I think is great. It's a great passage,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, other questions, remarks, comments? Yeah, Leanne. Randy, would you
0: pass the mic to Leanne, please?
3: Um, just in thinking about this all, and reflecting as a, as a cis person, um, I wonder if, I feel like some of these folks that you're talking about might be missing out or just not wanting to see that by opening up like the gate, so to speak for all sorts of people, like it liberates all of us. And like, I grew up pretty tomboyish, um, like I'm cisgendered, but I did like to wear men's clothing. And I feel like for a while, like stigmatized for my presentation of femininity as a little girl. Um, That's not anywhere near as like big a deal as other folks experience, but just in that little taste of it, like by opening up our perceptions and accepting everyone, like that gives us all latitude to express what femininity means to us and what masculinity means to us. And I just wonder with some of these folks like, are does one of them like one of these guys who's ranting like secretly love opera and like not go to the opera because it's not masculine or like does one of these like moms, you know, want to wear pants more and like not want to go to the nail salon. Like, I don't know, like, what are they repressing within themselves? That's like this robotic binary zero or one way of thinking and like maybe there's a sense of like oh well if I can't express my like no one like like I'm not going to and no one should it feels like I'm just like what about them are they like locking in and being like nope like I can't like Celine Dion like that's like you know
0: the repression exactly yeah no I think I think you're hitting on something really important I I'm convinced that that for some of the folks I've got one person in mind. Um, his, and I don't mind mentioning his name because he he loves having his name mentioned anyway. His name is Jordan Henry. It's just an important person to put on your radar. He is the he's running for city council. Yeah, and he's the he's kind of the rabble rouser, the the leader of of this protest in Glendale. Um, <clears throat> for folks like him who bring so much anger and energy to this, and actually someone um, just like him was it in Kentucky. Where, where was that guy who's also going to – I'm looking at my wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere else in the country right now, there's – well, there's a lot of uh, this happening with uh, school district board meetings. But there's another guy who's the leader of uh, a conservative protest group somewhere else in the country who just – it just came out that he is – a pedophile. I, th- I think I think that was the deal. That all the is like the deep hypocrisy. And so what I'm saying to what you're saying, Leanne, is a lot of this anger, I think, is coming out of deep repression. And some of these, specifically this guy I have in mind, I wouldn't be surprised if this is all a kind of self-hate for his own closeted gayness. Um you see it happen. And I I'm simply speculating obviously, but you d- it do make, you know, it's the old saying uh I I think you protest too much. And was that Shakespeare? <laughs> you both protest too much. I think. Yeah. Um, you gotta you gotta ask yourself where's all this anger and energy coming from? Like where is? It? Oh, maybe it's self hate. Maybe it's something really repressed, you know, in you. Um, not you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good question. Yeah. And I love your how you said we're. This is like James Baldwin. None of us are liberated until we're all liberated, right? Yeah. Our liberation is always tied together, right? Um, That's good. Other thoughts, questions, remarks? And I met Jordan Henry at that meeting. I didn't want to. I didn't know it was him. And uh, before I knew who he was, and I introduced myself and told him what Told him about church uh, pastor, and then I found out who he was, and he started trying to antagonize me. And I just told him, "I'm not, I'm not engaging with you. I'm not engaged with me." And he just said, "Okay, well, guess what? I'll see you at your church." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, great." (laughs) So, anyway, whatever. I doubt he's going to show up. Um, Whatever. And it could be really good press if you protest outside. You know, hold signs. That'd be really welcome. That that's great press. Anyway, somebody else. Yes, Emily, Leanne, would you pass the mic, please? Thank you.
4: Mine's a little off topic, but um, I was going to say I just finished watching the four-part um, documentary on uh, Prime called "Smiley Happy People, Shiny Happy People." Yeah, um, and it's it's about it says. It's mainly about the Duggar family, um, the Duggar family secrets is kind of the byline, but I would encourage everyone to watch it um, because it's really about the movement that they were, are still a part of called the IPLB. Um, actually, I'm pretty sure that the original guy, his name's Bill Gothard, uh, I think he was like the youth pastor at the church I grew up in when he was like first coming out of college. Um, but If you want to see how the, like, conservative right would um, turn the Handmaid's Tale into reality in a decade or two, um, watch this documentary. Because it really shows the, like, long game that this particular movement and that set of, like, conservative right Christians are, like, the long game that they're playing in the attempt to make their way of life all of our way of lives so um you know it's a little off topic but i would just definitely recommend checking that out because it was really eye-opening
0: yeah a sobering thought
4: shiny happy people shiny happy people
1: yeah on amazon other thoughts questions remarks oh cool yeah I had to step out for a moment, so I don't know if
4: this is a repeat. How, if that gentleman that you just described came to the church, and was met by the Jesus that you know, how would he respond? Well, I mean, just putting, you know. Yeah.
0: First of all, well, let me just preface my remarks by saying I have no idea. I mean, I, I have an idea. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think he would I don't think he would move him one bit, but. Who knows? No, I don't think so. because I think someone like that would come into a space like this in order to disrupt and not for the sake of actually being open and listening. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, really good question. Any other thoughts?
0: Oh, it's hard. It's heavy, right, to deal with this stuff, to think about it, to, to realize that we're engaged in this, you know, it's a lot to take in, you yeah. know, and we all have circles of influence and family members and, you know, people in our minds that, you know, may or may not be on board with where we're at on these issues, and I know that that weighs in here as well, and yeah, I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, sure, yeah. Ma'am, go ahead.
1: As
4: Aaron was bringing that up, um, I'm just gonna stand. Um, I was thinking, you know, you're saying like, yeah, it is so heavy and it's so exhausting. And, um, I would just encourage though, like those of us who are not LGBT to, obviously you need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your mental health. You need to protect yourself. Um, But I do believe that, like, we're the ones that need to be fighting this in the church, in the school boards. Um, I don't think that we need to leave this up to our brothers and sisters and siblings um, that are LGBT to fight this. Um, So it is exhausting. It is overwhelming. um, But imagine how it is for those people. And so that's why, uh, you know, don't give up like I do think that this is our fight um, in our communities.
0: It's a good takeaway. All right. Well, let us conclude our time together with this benediction and word affirmation. Let's say this together now. As we go from this place, we commit ourselves to the path of love, honesty, and humility. We dedicate ourselves as Christ did to the cause of justice, and the courageous embrace of this life, this world, and each other. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks to all of you who joined us via line, online, and thanks to all of you who are listening to the podcast later. Go in peace.